Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. The ego needs to constantly be asserting its picture of itself and reality to the degree it's afraid it's wrong. You see? You only have to assert your opinion in a constant kind of way if there's insecurity, right? Arrogance comes from insecurity. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Over the last two episodes, we've established the value of being able to advocate for any belief, even if that means putting yourself in the shoes of someone who subscribes to a truth that deviates significantly from your own. Today, we start to examine the questions that you can ask yourself to practice this particular brand of self-inquiry. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's start the show. Can we go back to we only fight for beliefs that that we're afraid are not true? I'm I'm struggling with that one because I'm thinking of things like the American Revolution that happened because of the belief that all men have you know inherent uh, rights that were being infringed upon. Would you say that the war happened? because of circumstances outside of that belief and not because of the, the premise. Compelling argument, Greystone. I gotta, I, I'm always on my toes, toes when you're around. <laughs> How would I say that? The, the phrase applies more to an individual. When a group of people get together and are advocating in that way, I'd say it, it's a little different. You know, it's um, uh, my history. With, counter with the Crusades. Yeah, I, I was thinking that too. It's... um. I wouldn't say like that was not, I'd want to look and see exactly how, uh, well, crusades are, are an example of that. I mean, the crusades were entirely fear-based. When the cause is just, right? I mean, I would say the, the civil war was more about power than it was about slavery, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's you right. could say the, there was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a fear that, that either side was wrong. It was like, well, who's going to be in power? What's going to happen to the nature of the economy? So, I mean, something that big is going to have a lot of different factors in it. But it's a good point. I can't readily argue, but my mind's going to be working on that the rest of the day. But if you start to, if you just look carefully, when someone gets all huffy, you know, it's like the defensivity. It has more to do with the, you know, I mean, like something like a war is a very well-organized affair. I'm talking that that's an organized fight, you know, like the the, the U.S. deciding to join World War II. A lot of decision making time went into that. That's not the kind of fight I'm talking about. I'm talking about a fight where someone gets defensive or passionate, you know, and that kind of thing. Going going back to to Greystone's uh, example, I've noticed that often in work, um, our most combative 
meetings, most contentious meetings are with people that are uncertain or fighting for something to be true or to be right. I, I can't remember a single instance where I was talking with somebody who was an expert in their topic. And even though we disagreed that it became contentious or heated or emotional, it was like, well, I disagree because of this blah, blah, blah. And here's my experience. Oh, I see where you're coming from, but I slightly think it, this is the cause because of this, that, the other. Those are actually super fun conversations where we're able to like discuss it, where I've been in many conversations where somebody want, either wants something to be true, but believes it might. Business owner, manager, you know, more of that subjective business type of thing. Um, and I, I think it plays out every day. At least I see it in most days from like a business capacity. Like I think, you know, the large things, the wars or whatever, I, but like from a simple, I, I think, I think it plays out daily in what people want to be true rather than accepting what is just in business. Yeah. Yeah. And it, what it speaks to is there, there's just a, uh, it's that open hand thing, having enough space to be like, huh, okay, maybe that's true. And so the, the place to track this is to notice in yourself as you go through your day, notice it can be really subtle. The gross ones are the most obvious, but it can be really subtle. Notice where you have that reactivity moment where you want to go, oh, that's not true. And notice what you do with it. It happens to us all. There's nothing wrong with that impulse. That means you have a value system. But then what do you do with it? You know, because it's easy to observe you know, when uh, someone says something that to you is ridiculous. If you become that no, that you're wrong, even in the slightest amount, what happens? Fails miserably, right? They shut down. They don't listen. So if we can agree that that's the case, then what's your case for coming from that place? You won't have one. Unless you, you know, and, and then the other thing is to, to look at like, okay, so you were in a bar and you got in an argument about politics with someone and they were wrong and you were right. And how did you feel after? Did you enjoy yourself? <laughs> Was that a good time for you, Brett? Hi, Joseph. Um, how much of that do you think is ego-based? All of it. Yeah, <laughs> only all of it. And that's the thing to look at. It's like, if you look at the, I love the Buddhist principles of right speech, which can be summarized this way. Before you speak, ask yourself, is it true? That's the easy one. Is it useful? Can they hear it? And is it the right time? Is it true? Is it useful? Can they hear it? To me is the most important one. And is it the right time? This is so simple, but really quite challenging to live with. That's awesome. <laughs> I agree. It's completely awesome because it kicks your ego's ass. Because your ego is, yeah, but it's true. Yeah, but if they can't hear it, it's not actually true for the moment. Because if they can't hear it, what is your justification for talking about it? Because you already know and probably don't need any more experience with this. If you do, go ahead and try it out. If you're not someone who's opposed people's points of view very often, then go ahead, make an experiment. Go around opposing people's points of view, telling things they can't hear in, at the wrong time in ways that isn't useful. See how that goes. 
life is telling you it doesn't work. And that's the ego. Why, again, back to what we were saying, why? Because the, the ego mind has created a nounified, a, a false solidity of identity that when someone says such that, so when someone says something you disagree with, it threatens your very identity. This is why people will kill people over the drawing of a cartoon Muhammad. I saw a Muslim once say, I have to defend my prophet. What? First of all, he's dead. Has been since 620. (laughs) So I don't know what you mean by defending. And if so, you're telling me that the, the religion of Islam is so delicate that it can't tolerate a cartoon of the prophet it's not you're not allowed to create because some interpretation of a passage in the quran i I don't even know if it's in the quran it might have been something later says that you can't depict the prophet which by the way does anybody know the essential reason for that thing that the why the essential reason is it's no no false gods it's no idols the same thing as in the old testament they didn't want muhammad to be deified so he got deified that's how it works you see well, you can't depict, you can't depict the prophet. The real reason is so that he doesn't be turned into a god like Jesus was. Because by then, of course, the Muslims saw that that had happened, right? Islam was created in the late 6th century, 600 years, you know, 500 years after mainstream Christianity got a foot in, foothold in history. So they were wise enough to say, okay, well, that shouldn't happen. He's just, he's a prophet. He's not God. He's not the son of God. That's what Christians said Jesus was. He's, he's just a prophet. But then, but just like the Buddha and Jerry Garcia, he ends up getting deified. Jerry Garcia was also deified. There are t-shirts that say Jerry was God. He came out in the 70s. We love to deify things. Why that is, we don't have time for. So uh, how did I get onto that? We were talking about ego oh, yeah. and the driver for that. Yeah. Yeah. So where this becomes a spiritual practice is you will notice that if you adopt the or forget adopt, experiment with the Buddhist principles of right speech, is it true? Is it useful? Is it the right time? And can they hear it? And you exist inside that box. Oh, part of you is going to go a little crazy. Because the ego needs to constantly be asserting its picture of itself and reality to the degree it's afraid it's wrong. You see, you only have to assert your opinion in a constant kind of way if there's insecurity, right? Arrogance comes from insecurity, right? This is why it's the, um, the closet uh, homosexual uh, congressmen and senators are the ones who are most anti-gay, right? This keeps happening. Every, every three or four years, some totally anti-gay congressman gets found in a bathroom with some other guy. You know, this happens all the time. This happened like a, a dozen times in the last 10 years. Right? And do you know that there's some decent evidence that would suggest that Adolf, Adolf Hitler had Jewish blood? Of course, that makes perfect sense, right? He certainly wasn't an Aryan. It's funny. Did that, did that conversation ever come up? So this Adolf guy wants a master race of blonde hair and blue eyes. But he's got blue eyes. You wouldn't know because of the black and white photography. He had blue eyes. 
but he was not Aryan. He was he had brown hair, skin was on the darker side. He was not a pasty Scandinavian kind of guy. No one ever wondered about that. Seems kind of weird. So the master race is people who look really different than you. Okay. He'll not be part of the breeding. Doesn't make any sense. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.